Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast. This is the Q&A episode, as you guys know, with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. And as you know, this is the Q&A episode where we discuss a shorter question. This week, we are going to keep it a bit shorter because they've been kind of leaking into full podcast episodes. So we're going to pull it back a little bit this week. Well, that's good. People want the answers, you know? Want the answers. Patty has a question this week from one of his clients. So... Patrick, why don't you tell the people what we're going to be discussing? Yeah. So first of all, I'd just like to mention that Gary is extremely hungover right now because he is, in fact, a degenerate. And so if he starts babbling on absolute nonsense, that is the reason why. Or he's just gotten stupider. Both realistic possibilities. Anyway. Let me just get this question up here. The question was basically along the lines of, should I change my squat technique to be more posterior chain dominant, right? And the context for this is the client that I have is a GAA athlete. And they were wondering, like they, they heard a lot about, or they're hearing a lot about the, you know, posterior chain and how how much that's needed in like sprinting how much that's needed in like athletic endeavors you know the glutes hamstrings they need to be strong you know so they're kind of thinking well does it make sense to change my exercises like they're like okay the squat works the lower body maybe like the way they squat is more of a, a high bar squat and they're kind of thinking like should i change my technique to effectively target these other areas which i know are important for my sport or rather which i've been told are important for my sport right and this this question although it's obviously very easy to answer this for the actual individual because you know i'm doing their programming i'm talking through the stuff with them it actually opens up a a bigger question or a, a few bigger questions but they're also easily answered and if you understand it then you can actually go about designing your training program more effectively so gary what are your initial thoughts with that athlete it's a GAA athlete. They're thinking, okay, I hear a lot about posterior chain. Should I alter my technique? So again, take it, they're, they're squatting, a high bar squat. You know, they're getting relatively strong in the squat itself. You know, they've, they've really progressively overloaded it. I've had this time for a year now and they've gotten quite strong, but they're like, maybe I should be changing my technique a bit. What are your thoughts initially? Yeah, so I like, there's good reasoning here. As in like, it's not like the, there's, there's nothing to this, um, but it generally wouldn't be my go-to to have everyone change their exercises, you know, just to achieve one fitness characteristic. Because essentially, like we think of something like a squat, like we know that it's, it's, it's kind of a, a generalist exercise in that like there's a lot of different things involved, a lot of different components. Um, so like obviously you're training your quads, you're training your glutes, you're training adductors, you know, hamstr- hamstrings are working too. It's, they're probably, they're not going to be like, it's not going to be, you w- I wouldn't call it an exercise that you'd add in if you were trying to build your hamstrings, but you know, they're working as are the calf muscles, the trunk muscles, etc. So there is a lot going on and one could, you know, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be unreasonable to suggest that, all right, if I want to build a particular muscle, I'm going to totally change the way that I squat. However, you could o- otherwise, if you want, if you want to, to focus more on a particular muscle or muscle group or a, a, a like the posterior chain, like muscles that have similar functions related to like sports activities, like sprinting, you could just, you know, alter the rest of your program. So instead of thinking solely about every exercise working 
the muscles that might be most important for you, you alter the rest of your program so that that actually reflects that. Because the thing is, your squat technique becomes somewhat self, self-selected. So people generally don't end up squatting the way they do, like deliberately out, while, you know, removing the other options. They end up there because that's the way their technique was kind of comfortable. That's the way they can get the deepest. That's the way that feels most comfortable for them. So that's how they get there. You know, so for me, when I'm thinking about, you know, getting people to squat, I want their technique to be, you know, I want it to have longevity. I want it to be there, you know, in 10 years time. And if you can find a squat pattern, a squat, a squat technique that suits you best in the long term, I would stick with that and then supplement with supplementary exercises, or maybe you could have squat variations in if you're changing your goals. But I mean, just because, you know, the squat is, or, or, sprinting rather just because that's quite posterior chain dominant doesn't mean that you need to and change your whole programming to reflect that because quads are still important you can use that as you know being a contributor to your posterior chain training but then use the rest of your training to add in supplementary work as needed so they become my kind of initial thoughts what about you Uh, that's effectively what i explained to him and i was explaining that you know the other components of the training program that we have like we have stuff like glute bridging in there well hip thrusting in there uh we have stuff like rdls in there hamstring curls like we have exercises that are training the posterior chain itself you know more directly you know and again like if you think of okay what are you going to do you're going to change your exercise technique to more effectively target this posterior chain in, in an exercise which we'll, we'll say is predominantly a quad exercise you know again that depends on your unique levers and everything but we'll say it's a quad exercise you know you bastardizing that exercise to make it train another muscle group isn't likely the most effective use of your time right or rather the most effective use of your effort in the gym when we know we have exercises that are more effective at actually targeting those muscles and like i was explaining it to them like say say for example you have uh your your high bar squat we'll say just whatever picking numbers out of my ass here but we'll say it's 70 percent quads and 30 percent posterior chain right again obviously it's going to be dependent on you as an individual how upright you are etc etc but just picking random numbers right if you change your technique like how much can you actually influence that right Right. For example, you say, okay, I'm going to, I normally now I break at the knees. You know, I'm, when I go to squat, I break at the knees and you're going, that's contributing to this 70%. And now you're going, okay, I want to make this more posterior chain dominant. I'm going to start breaking at the hips, pushing the hips back more. Right. What are you going to, like that effectively only changes it maybe what five, 10%, the, the relative contribution of your posterior chain to your quads like it's not like this huge magnitude shift right like it's not like that's going to be the be all and end all that changes your entire ability to recruit your posterior chain or you know accrue tissue in the posterior chain right whereas you could you could just pick an exercise which you know will say has whatever 90 percent posterior chain activation you know, like that, that, that in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, we can get more tension on the muscles we're trying to ch- train with this other exercise. So why would we bastardize one exercise to then, or rather than use exercises that we know can target that area more effectively, right? So that's the first thing. But then you have to look at, like Gary said there, the overall training volume you're doing, the overall training program you're doing, right? If, you, if you're doing like, say, three sets of squats and you're doing 
whatever, we'll say three other sets of a quad exercise. We'll just say a workout has whatever, 12 working sets. No, whatever, three, six, nine, 12. Yeah, 12 working sets. We'll say you have two quad exercises and two posterior chain exercises, right? So again, we'll say that's six, six sets for your uh, quads, six sets for your posterior chain, right? doesn't really matter what the exercise is. We'll say the first exercise you do is a squat, right? Do you think changing that volume, that relative contribution of the volume so that your quads get touched, whatever, 10, 20% less with the, the way you've modified your squat and, you know, 10, 20% more volume goes towards your hamstrings. Like, is that really the most effective use of your overall training volume? When in, when in reality, you could just add an extra set of something that was more posterior chain dominant. Like you could do one less set of squats and one more set of, I don't know, RDLs, you know, maybe that's the exercise you're doing. In my mind, I'm like, that would be more effective rather than bastardizing your squat, right? And this is actually easier to see if you change the exercise, right? Because people look at squats and they think, okay, yeah, look, I know depending if you're a powerlifter, if you are an Olympic lifter, if you are a bodybuilder, if you're an athlete, you know, you're all told to squat differently. And again, like you have to factor in, like Gary was saying, like most likely you didn't come to your squat technique because you were coached that way. Most likely you came to that technique because that's what fits your body comfortably. And you know, that, that's what has allowed you to progress. And while there may be inconsistencies with that because of what you've been exposed to, outside in the fitness realm like the majority of people fall into a squatting pattern that kind of fits their body you know and so again like if you if you just switch this rather than thinking about the squat if i said my my sport is very overhead dominant you're an overhead athlete you need to have strong powerful shoulders right and if i was if i was being coached or rather if i was asking if if i had that athlete and i was being asked oh, I know you have the bench press in my training program, but can I alter my bench press technique to more effectively target my shoulders? Like most people would come to that and go, that seems like a pretty strange way to go about things. You know, like we have exercises that target the shoulders specifically. Why would I try to change my bench press technique so it works my shoulders? You know, I mean, effectively, once you get that into your mind, you're like, okay, well, actually, yeah, that, that doesn't make a huge amount of sense. Like, I, I wouldn't try to make the bench press a shoulder exercise. That would, be, that would be kind of silly, you know, because we know we have more effective exercises for that goal. So why would you do the same with your squat? You know, it doesn't really make sense. Now, again, that's not to say that squatting a certain way may not be more beneficial for your goal. And what I mean by that is if you're a power lifter and you're able to get, excuse me, 20, 30 kilos extra by switching to a low bar squat position and being very posterior chain dominant, you know, really shooting those hips back, just about breaking parallel. If you're able to get 20, 30 extra kilos out of that, like that just makes 100% to squat that, or it makes 100% sense to squat that way, you know? So you have to really factor in the actual goals, but that doesn't mean that if you're an athlete and you're going, okay, I need to you know, train my posterior chain. That doesn't mean I would make exercises train the posterior chain rather than keep the exercises that are effective for other muscle groups. In other words, I wouldn't bastardize exercises to train something versus just doing exercises that more effectively train those muscles or movements or whatever and use that to progress, you know, and allocate my volume accordingly. You know, does that make sense, Gary? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a really important point where 
like you see, so you see some people who do kind of adopt this mindset and try to do a very particular technique of like a technique variation of a particular exercise that is somewhat foreign to them in that, like, it's clearly not how they would quote unquote naturally do the movement. Like it's not their favorite technique. And what you see is that they're able to lift a lot less weight or less overall repetitions because their limiting factor is not really like their muscles getting closer to the point of failure. It's more so just their ability to just maintain that technique. Um, you know, one, one example would be during the squat, for example, if, if you make some te technique variation and now you feel like your lower back or maybe even your breathing, if something like that is your limiting factor, then that then means that your lower body muscles are going to be getting a little bit more, less out of the exercise. So if you've already got a technique that, you know, your limiting factor is very much the lower body muscles, then that's, that's probably a better, a, a better case. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you, where like, yeah, you know, make sense, get it. Absolutely. But I think it, it just makes a bit more sense to go with the technique that feels most comfortable and strongest for you because what you don't want is is all the things to be a limiting factor and you also don't want to have to take a, a big step back you know because it may feel like oh you know if i do this particular technique i feel like my glutes and hamstrings work a bit more but if you're so caught up in trying to get the feeling out of an exercise sometimes you can just get end up lifting a lot less weight and progressing less because you're focused solely on those sort of subjective markers as opposed to actual you know true true progress in your strength yeah and this then brings me on to the next point uh, with this is you know just because your sport has a higher demand for a certain muscle group or a certain movement doesn't mean that it necessarily has a lesser demand for other muscle groups. And what I mean by that is like, you don't want to be like, Oh yeah, I'm a posterior chain dominant athlete. I do a lot of sprints or whatever. Like that's kind of irrelevant. If your quads are weak as fuck, you know, like if you're not able to get like terminal knee extension, you don't have any kind of, we'll call it like eccentric capacity in your quads. Like you're not able to handle the shock through your quads in certain movements. Basically if your quads are weak, that's going to be a limiting factor in your overall progress. Like, I don't care if you are able to, you know, deadlift 300 kilos. Like if you're barely able to squat hundred kilos, it's like, okay, well like you have glaring insufficiencies here. You know, there's, there's something going on, which I'd rather see that fixed. And you we are more well balanced if you want to call it that uh, athlete overall, you know? So I, I'm much more of a fan of just using exercises for the intended goal. And this obviously comes back to, actually being specific in what you're trying to achieve both in terms of the overall program structure and then with your exercise selection as well you know and, and once you do that it's kind of like okay so i have the the squat in here because it's an effective quad exercise it's an effective like you said generalist exercise like you got a lot of moving parts to it it trains the the whole body pretty effectively and um, do i need to bastardize that to train another muscle group Probably not if I have other exercises that I can effectively train those muscle groups with, you know, like I, that, that would be my perspective on the overall question. And that's effectively what I told them as well. You know, it's like we have the quad or we have the squat in here because we want to strengthen the quads. We also want to strengthen the general squat pattern. And we also have other exercises that are more effective at actually training the posterior chain than a bastardized squat. Like I don't think anyone who has any kind of intelligence around training would argue that 
the squat altered to be a more posterior chain exercise is a more effective exercise than a specific posterior chain exercise, you know, and that involves deadlifts, RDLs, like deadlift variations, good mornings, hip thrusts, glute bridges, hamstring curls. Like, I don't think anyone worth two cents anyway would say that pushing your hips back in a squat is a more effective way of targeting the posterior chain than any of those exercises. You know, would you agree with that, Gary? Yeah, and, and it's worth asking how you got here as well. Like, for example, like there has to be some point where you where you identified that all oh, my posterior chain needs work. It's weak, and that's that. The way that generally happens is like someone's looking at their deadlift numbers, or they're looking at, or they're reflecting on a workout where they did leg curls, and they're like, "Oh, my hamstrings or my glutes actually seem to be quite weak," you know. And they identify it in those exercises, whereas then people are like, "Right, I better check my change my squat technique," you know. So it it, it doesn't really make sense. It would it would make more sense to be like all right, you know, my squat is good, you know, that, that's on point. But when I do these posterior chain specific exercises, I seem to be performing poorer on those. So like the, ne- the next logical step there would be, okay, maybe I'll, I'll actually practice these exercises that I'm actually poor at, and then I'll actually improve there. You know, like that, that, that would be the next logical step for me. So ask yourself, you know, how did, how did you get here? If you're in that position where you're thinking that a particular muscle group is weak, like as you said, the exact same thing applies to the bench press, you know, or, or, or any, any other exercise. Like if your biceps are a, a, a poor muscle group for you, like they're underdeveloped, then I wouldn't be going worrying about adjusting my row technique or my pull down technique in favor of, the, of it being more, you know, bicep focused. And, and I think that's a pretty relatable example. Like no one would really do that. Um, you, you'd add in more curls, you know, same when it comes to triceps, you know, you, you're going to add in more, more sort of quote unquote isolation work as opposed to doing all of your bench press work in a very tricep um, dominant fashion. So you can apply that to a lot of different muscle groups. You know, I wouldn't be going, you know, focusing just on changing every exercise so that the technique favors something, you know, no one would say, no one would like modify their squat technique so that they're going to build up their lower back more. You know, you, you do a different exercise, you do an exercise that's, that's more specific for that. Um, so yeah, you can, you can apply these principles, use them elsewhere. But like the big question to ask there, as I alluded to is, how did I actually get here? How, do, how did I identify that this is a weak point? And is the test that I use, could that actually be an effective training modality? You know, and, and a lot of the time it actually is. Yeah, this is, a, this is really hard, especially in you know, the world of like social media when people are trying to be somewhat produ- provocative in their approach. And what I mean by that is, you know, th- this individual just kind of got that information. They were being told that the posterior chain is essential for their sport, you know? And again, like it is, you know, like, I, again, I don't think anyone would argue that having a strong posterior chain is a bad thing for sprint dominant sports. Like, again, I don't think anyone would argue that. Right. However, it's like people go with that sound bite and don't actually, you know, expand on it and like layer on the nuance to it when, as it applies to your overall training program. Right. So again, like you, you have to keep that in mind that it's like, yes. Okay. Like this, certain movement or this certain muscle group or group of muscles may be important for your sport or your overall goal but that doesn't mean that your entire program has to be bastardized to only focus on that one muscle group you know like again like you could you could say that about jujitsu we both do you know it's like okay well this is going to be very you know grip intensive 
you know, you have to be have strong, strong fingers, strong grip, whatever. And I'm not going to change all of my exercises to have that be the limiting factor. You know, like I'm not training, changing all my row variations or, you know, my vertical row, you know, chin ups and stuff to use the fattest grip that I possibly could use so that my back effectively never gets trained to its limit. And it's always my grip. That's the limiting factor. You know, people, people might do that, but I think that's a rather silly long-term approach because you effectively end up with a poorly developed back or pulling musculature at the expense of having a better grip. When in reality, yeah, your grip is important for the sport, but it's irrelevant if you can grip onto someone's gi, but then you can't pull it back. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you have great grips. Who cares? Because someone can just pull themselves out of it because you have no pulling strength. You know, so whatever sport it is that you're going to, you're doing, you have to keep that in mind that it's like, okay, so yeah, we understand that this muscle group, group of muscles, pattern, whatever is important, but that has to be layered on top of the overall strength capacity of the, the body itself you know so as i said earlier on like i wouldn't make my quads weaker just to make my posterior chain stronger you know it doesn't make sense anyway yeah. do, you, do you have anything else to add lord gary yeah the grip the grip one is 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 a good example as well because people do actually ask that and like what i generally say to people is that look like you don't want to take that many steps back because like for example if someone tries to improve their grip by doing like double overhand deadlifts, there's generally going to be a pretty large, you know, difference between their true deadlift owner at max and their deadlift owner at max with double overhand grip. Like if you're talking like not hook grip, like you're really trying to actually work your grip. Like, unless, you have, unless you have huge hands. Unless you've got huge hands, it's too easy. Um, but yeah, you, you just don't want to take that, that many steps back, you know, and put that as the limiting factor. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, and, and I always say that to people as well when they're doing like RDLs or they're doing sort of, some sort of rowing variation or, you know, anything like that. If they notice that their grip is always the limiting factor, then yes, work on it. Like that's a good idea. You can still work on it. But I would generally recommend like, all right, let's use straps. Let's use chalk. Let's use something that can improve your grip so that we can actually train what we're try trying to train. Because I don't want someone, like let's say we have a pull day in someone's program, I don't want every exercise to be limited by, by grip. You know, because if you've got any experience with you know, grip fatigue in the gym, you'll notice that you know, it, it accumulates. It, it starts to get, you, know, you get more and more fatigued as the workout goes on. And like your third or fourth exercise, you could be doing something like you know, wide grip pull-downs, pronated pull-downs, and you're lifting 10, 20, 30 kilos less than you normally would purely because of grip. And then, you know, what are you training other than your forearms? You're, you're doing, you might be working at RP9, RP10 from a forearm perspective, but your, you know, your lats are getting a training stimulus of like an RP4 or 5. So you can, again, use that principle of, you know, asking yourself, like, what is the limiting factor in this exercise? If you're trying to train a particular muscle, ask yourself, what's the rate of perceived exertion in a muscle specific context like what's the muscle specific rate of perceived exertion because that's a really important question to ask and i think i think a lot of times people don't ask that and like to be fair it's probably you know us strength and conditioning practitioners and 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 the, the scientists that do the research that you know don't really bring that to the forefront we talk about rate of perceived exertion and reps and reserve as a kind of standalone concept without actually relating it two particular muscles so if you are if you have a specific goal from an exercise you need to ask yourself that question because you know the bench press for some people 
you know, they could say, yeah, I did that set at RPE nine, but if you ask them, you know, how did your chest feel? Was your chest sore the next day? Was it, did it feel like it was the prime mover? And they're like, I oh, know it was RPE nine, but my shoulders were just sore, you know, and, and that's not the same training stimulus as, you know, your chest burning and feel like, feeling like it's going to rip off the bone, you know? So, so yeah, ask yourself, what's the muscle specific RPE if you're trying to train a particular muscle or a group of muscles? Yeah, well, I think that effectively answers that question. And Gary, I'd like to say you did quite well on that, despite having had 30 Linden Village last night. Um, Linden Village? Jesus Christ. <laughs> so you did well, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyway, do you have anything else left to add to that before I tell everyone where they can find us? No, I think that, that answers the question fairly clearly. You know, again, like our goal with these, with these podca- our podcasts in general is not to deliver one specific message, it's to deliver concepts that you can generalize. So, you know, if you came into this, you know, thinking only about the squat, think about how it applies to other exercises, to your bench press, to your chest training, to your shoulder training, to your bicep training, to your calf training, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> like no one, no one's going to change their squat form in favor of training the calves more, are they? You know, so. Well, I actually calf you know yourself. Obviously, tippy toes. Uh, but yeah so generalize the concepts put them into practice and if you have any questions let us know yeah anyway you can find us on all social medias under triage method although that's not the best place to find us the best place to find us is in our fee fee our free facebook group which is linked in the description uh, of this podcast if you're listening and on the YouTubes, if you're not, that's also a good place to find us. YouTube, we put out vlogs, we put out topical videos, we put out the podcast videos as well. If you want to see our beautiful faces, um, you can see them there. We also put out content that you just don't see on other platforms on YouTube because you know YouTube is somewhat good in terms of the platform and in terms of first of all it pays us uh, to to be there uh, but second of all you know you can actually put out a 40 minute 50 minute an hour long video rather than getting a 30 second clip on like instagram or something you know the best place to get our inf- informative content is of course on our website right but if you're like oh like kind of forget to check up on the website don't know when you have new articles etc etc like obviously we post them in the facebook group and on social media etc maybe you're not on those all the time the best place to stay up to date with all the information is in the newsletter or is on the newsletter whatever way you want to look at that right and it's really easy to subscribe to that the link is in the description or if you want to go to our website the link is in the kind of sidebar area or the bottom depending if you're on your phone or not and so yeah sign up we send out an email every week we don't do this bullshit like oh here's fucking 20 emails per week now i don't like that kind of stuff i unsubscribe if people do that to me i want one one email per week that's it occasionally we'll get more than one if there's a certain event we have going on or a certain thing that is you know a little bit more time dependent or if there's something that we're like actually we're really excited to share this with you boom here you go shared with you so you know, the most you're ever going to get is like two emails per week, but that would be, be a rarity. So if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, I would definitely get on that. And then I would also join the Facebook group because we nearly have like a, a thousand people in there now and it is slowly building uh, ever more every week. And, you know, getting the conversation going in there, sharing information, talking through people's issues, 
our contributors exercise selection, all the stuff we talk on the podcast. I guess sometimes where we get questions for the podcast. So, you know, that helps. And other than that, if you are interested in any of the services we offer, we offer eBooks. So if you're like, Oh, actually, you know, I don't need coaching. I don't need help like on a one-to-one basis or even a, a kind of just group basis. I just want to have some sort of template that I can follow. We have three, four, five, six day uh, templates. So multitude of programs within those. We also have a beginner's ebook. If you're kind of like, mm, what should I actually be doing with my training? Not really sure. Listen to this podcast. Mm, I don't, I, I've realized I actually don't really understand the, the principles of nutrition or training. So beginner's ebook is where you can start with that. Obviously we've loads of free information on the website as well. That's, you can expand your knowledge with and that's being added to every week every month whatever obviously with gary going out in the piss all the time like you know yourself <laughs> it, it isn't added to as much as we'd like you know oh, but geez. it is what it is um then if you're like okay template that's not exactly what i need i need some sort of template but i need some sort of community as well i need some help and a more kind of hands-on basis than the, the templates give me the group coaching might be for you that's relatively cheap. It's 35 euro per month. And again, you get programming, you get nutrition advice, you get stress management advice, all that kind of stuff and in a more hands-off environment. However, you do also get a dedicated community and we have male and female groups for that as well. So again, if you are interested, that's generally run off a, a three to four day training program. And, and then we teach you how to modify that and pick better exercises, etc., based on your needs. And then finally, we do also have one-to-one online coaching if you are interested in having you know or rather you have more specific goals that you're like that's what i need to work on i have a a deadline 12 weeks 18 weeks 16 whatever it is you're like i'm training for my wedding training for a holiday i'm training for a sporting event whatever it is and you're like i need some dedicated support to this i need to really have a tailored program that's what i would get the online coaching again it depends we can sell a package we can also what we generally do is a, a monthly recurring fee and that's what most people choose because it's a little bit cheaper uh, in the short term rather than the long term but it is effective for most people's wallets right anyway i have nothing else to add on top of that gary do you no sir we'll see you folks again next monday excellent well it's actually going to be easy. thursday for this man you have to ruin it didn't you i know that's why i said i'll see you folks next monday because it's oh, thursday okay.